Welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, and I'm here today with Amanda, per usual, and we are going to talk about fall and autumn books. Amanda, are you ready for fall? I am getting there. For me, fall is busy in the garden, trying Mm -hmm. to put up the last of the, well, really the beginning this time of year is really the beginning of putting everything up and I just harvested four pumpkins that total over a hundred pounds. It's my first year successfully growing pumpkins. They've always failed beforehand. That's That's awesome. Speaking of pumpkins, we had a volunteer pumpkin patch come up on that wall next to our driveway (laughs) and I saw it it come up. A couple of weeks ago, and I was like, this is a squash vine. I'm not going to pull it. I want to see what's it, what it's going to do. And two days ago, the Inara was like, there's a pumpkin on it. And there is. I meant to show it to you last night. It's like three inches around, oh, maybe, what? or no, two inches. It's like two inches around and about three quarters of an inch thick. And I'm like, it's adorable. And there's five other flowers. And I'm like, I think we're going to get these little mini pumpkins that we That would <laughs> be awesome. They won't amount to anything, but they're so cute to look at. Just every time I pull in the driveway, it makes me smile. I had some volunteer squash plants in my pig pen a year. We didn't have pigs, so they're growing yeah. over the summer. And then they turned into like these franken gourd <laughs> things like half squash half gourd and not like edible at all which was right disappointing. so i hope right. yours are at least useful and i think they'll just be pretty they'll just <laughs> and be they pretty. bring me joy they bring the me joy core. every time i pull in so that's useful that's useful cool. yeah after we had our after we had our fire speaking of volunteer plants we had all these grains that we had had in storage in the closet next to the laundry room And so, so much soot had just pushed through the walls and all the crevices and we didn't feel comfortable eating Eating any of this stuff that might possibly have had soot come into it. Like we weren't sure and we weren't, wasn't worth the gamble. So my friend Andrea took all of it to her house and threw it in her compost bin. And then for the next year, she would just tell me all the beautiful things that were growing out of her compost in the backyard. (laughs) She's like, I have the most active compost pile I've ever had. It's just growing everything. So that was pretty funny. Yeah. So one of my favorite books for this time of year, because I'm getting things ready and putting things up, is Hurry, Hurry, Mary, Dear. (laughs) It is a delightful poem yes. it's called the the author's note calls it a domestic drama <laughs> <laughs> of a woman she is like working non-stop to get ready for winter yeah, and so and she's, she's, she's white-haired so she's not young she's an anymore older woman yeah so she's like canning the tomatoes doing jam cooking molasses putting up cheese getting the wood ready the beans i mean some of it's not realistic because you don't do all these things at once (laughs) they don't have separate days (laughs) yes like you're not canning pickles when the snow is flying Mm -hmm. but at the end of the book it's just all about her going 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 and then the person who is narrating at the end turns out you know he's making he starts getting more and more insistent well do this do that do this do that toast the muffins for me brew the tea and then we find it's this man (laughs) <laughs> this uh, 
her domestic partner. Her, her domestic. It's <laughs> her, her husband. Because drama. Yes, it yeah, is her husband. I was just joking off the domestic drama. Yes. And then she just dumps her tea on him. At yeah. the end. Like, <laughs> sure, I'll make your tea and dump it on you. My husband doesn't like this book because I'm like, I feel so much like Mary. I'm canning pickles and tomato sauce. And he's like, that makes me the husband. <laughs> You can relate to one character in a book without it immediately meaning the other character is someone else you know. That's what I say. But Mm -hmm. he's a little sensitive. But my kids love it and they will just like rattle it off because it's it's a poem. So they just rattle it off. It's actually um, the author has a book of poetry and this is one of the poems in the book of poetry. But they took Who's the author? N.M. Bodecker. Okay. So they took yeah. that poem and, and made it into a picture book, and it's just hilarious. You had me read that book a couple of years ago, and it is highly enjoyable. And it just drove home again for me the fact that picture books are not just for children. Oh, no. This is so enjoyable for adults who – I think a child sees the humor in it, mm-hmm. but adults can connect to it having lived the humor in it yep. in different times of their lives or just be able to relate to that go, go, go. I'm always so impressed with you every fall with just (laughs) all the things that you're like, no, I can't do anything because I'm doing this, 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 and this. And I'm like, well, I miss you, but have fun and I'll enjoy eating it all winter with you. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's a job. It's definitely a job, but I like it and it gets me outside. Yes. I want you to know that Gemma came in last night with that giant bowl of pickles that you had left for her. <laughs> and she had every intention of eating them in one sitting. And I'm like, Gemma, <laughs> that is like a full quart jar worth of pickles. I am not sure your gut will appreciate you eating all of them in one sitting. You should put them in the fridge for tomorrow. And she's like, okay. And she ate like three more and put the rest away. And then this morning I saw the empty bowl on the counter. So she came back and finished them. She greatly well, appreciated the pickles. I'm running out of jars, so I needed her to yeah. finish those so I could reuse the jar. Gemma is always game to empty your pickle jars for you. Oh, for so me, what, though, do you have? Yeah, do you have any books that uh, resonate with your traditions, your fall traditions? Well, first of all, fall is my favorite season, hands down. Too. And too. every spring, I have this moment when winter, which I detest is oh I don't detest winter I like winter because it's an excuse to stay inside Mm -hmm. when during summer you kind of have to make an excuse but winter I just quit driving in the snow like no one questions eight years ago by the fire and read a book yeah snowing out (laughs) so I live in Iowa and eight years ago I quit driving in the snow I don't go anywhere in the snow. And so if Eric isn't willing to drive having grown up on the Minnesota border and feeling quite confident about driving in the snow I just bow out of everything and it's delightful and I just sit in front of the fire. So in that way, I like winter, but it's not actually like enjoying the weather because if I go outside, Mm -hmm. it drives into my bones. It freezes my nostril shut. I just, I do not find it pleasant. This van that we had to buy after our last one got crushed by the tree in the derecho, I don't feel like the floor heaters work in it. So if I'm driving anywhere, my feet are cold all winter. So we have to I had a car that was like winter. that. It was miserable. Yeah. I took but it, it was once like for something else. Repair, so we just dealt with it. That's horrible. Don't tell yeah. me these miserable things. 
Mm-hmm. So, but I have heated seats. Yeah, yes, I do have heated seats, and that is the saving grace. But every spring, when the flowers start coming out, I, I swear there is this corner on our street, and I can visualize once a spring driving, turning around that corner, seeing all the little spring flowers out, hearing the birds, and calling Eric, and being like, you know what? I wonder if spring or fall is really my favorite. And every time Eric says, it's fall, Amber, it's fall. And then like a week later, I'm like, it is fall. This is old. You know, <laughs> like, it's enjoyable, but it's not fall. So yeah. I just love thunderstorms. They're one of my favorite things in life. And there's them. nothing like a fall thunderstorm. You hate them? Oh, I hate them. Well, oh, I, I love loved them. them. I love mm-hmm. them until we moved to our new house and then we had so much storm damage and now mm. I have like every storm I'm just worried about what's going to break. What yeah. window? What window? Where the roof's going to leak? Yeah. They're, That's reasonable. Yeah. Eric couldn't enjoy the smell of anything burning, like fire pits, fireplaces, anything for oh, yeah. a solid year after the fire. It just totally triggered all yeah, of, I was gonna all get you that emotions. I was gonna get you that game that we like that is uh what's it called it's a, it's about a house burning down I got that like right before your house burned and I was like oh shoot well now I can't give them this yeah one of those too soon too soon sort of gifts yep, yep. that's funny but as much as I love fall for the weather which is in my opinion always perfect because I love bundling up but not being cold mm-hmm. um I I really do not handle crunching leaves very well in the dark I love crunching <laughs> leaves all day long but the sound of crunching leaves is terrifying to me so <laughs> so I am a worst case scenario sort of person Okay. My dad played this game with me when I was little where we would go places and he would basically be like, XYZ disaster is happening. What do you do? And so I always know my exit from every room that I'm in. I am always prepared. Like my dad thought he was going to be super spy. So he was like living vicariously through me. And so <laughs> I was like, so I'm always ready for this. And it served me so well having special needs kids who are a worst case scenario constantly looking for ways to die and so I have prevented so many disasters by seeing two steps ahead of every choice Mm -hmm. they're making to how could this go wrong well I'm going to tell you what this has to do with the crunchy leaves so one of my plans in life is that if I'm taking the trash out or anything like that after dark when Eric's already in bed I always bring my keys with me Because my plan is that if I get attacked (laughs) or something terrible happens, I will hit the alarm on my van and that will be my like way to alert people to the fact that I need help. So this has been like my plan in life forever. Well, his cell phone's off because he's sleeping. But you can call someone else. No, you need something immediate. You need a deterrent. Well, yes, I always have my cell phone. But if the deterrent doesn't work, you need the cell phone so that they still grab you. Well, yes, that's true. But I want to deter them immediately. Like, as I see them coming down the sidewalk, I can push the button and they'll just be like, oh, I don't want the attention. well, too. Amanda, do you want to hear my story or not? (laughs) Yes, tell me. Okay. (laughs) So this one night I'm in, I'm going out into the front yard to get something from the van and I 
I've never seen the lighting like this before, and it I had never seen it before, and it has not happened since. But somehow that overhang with the pole that we used to have over the front yeah. window before the fire, as the light was hitting it, it looked like someone in the yard. Like the shadow looked like a person. I can see that, yeah. And as I kept walking forward, the shadow was moving with me as I was moving. And I was convinced this shadow was like coming at me. And so I hit the button on the key ring and nothing happened. So I know, if yeah. I had been going to die, I was going to die in silence. <laughs> like choking scream and jumped. Oh, like it was the, just the, the abandoned. No, the, van the alarm did not come on. So even if it did, I mean, I was running when I was a teenager and was being chased by a, a group of dogs that were like growling yeah. and snarling and I screamed my head off and no one came so yeah they always say that instead of screaming you're supposed to yell fire that people are curious about fires and so they're much more likely they will come out to see a fire when okay. they wouldn't come out to help you which is terrible but when I had nightly right. and the window was open I was screaming my head off, not realizing the window was open and our neighbor's window was open and they did not call or check on me. And I was like, I could have been dying and no one in my neighborhood no one cares. Would have known. Yep. No one would have cared. <laughs> but so what does so, this have to do with the crunching leaves? But the leaves were crunching at that moment. The leaves were blowing. I could hear them oh, blowing. It was just like, it was so that it dark, like dark day. And so that level of darkness and the wind blowingness, it reminds me of To Kill a Mockingbird, which okay. is one of my favorite autumn scenes in a book okay. because at the end they've done the school play they're walking home scouts in her ham costume <laughs> jim is just leading her by her little head but it's dark and they can hear something and you can just like you can feel the wind blow like it's it's perfectly deliciously creepy in that moment and that's one of my favorite like descriptions of that creepy level of fall. And I'm sure it's stories like that that are why I can't handle actually being out <laughs> in what feels like creepy levels of fall. Man, I don't know that I like creepy fall books. I think most, I think all I don't. the fall books I like are happy. I don't like creepy fall books. I didn't think. But now I think maybe I do. Like, because I don't like really being scared, but I feel like it's this like gentle level of being scared. When there's not really something to be scared of, obviously, in To Kill a Mockingbird, there was something to be scared of. But I yeah. think, like, it's just that feeling where me just scared in my normal life of hearing leaves blowing and not knowing where they're coming from. Like, that just makes me feel uneasy. And then a good author can just take that one level up. You need to try some of the, like, uh, gothic gothic novels well i was just going to say i would say probably one of the best like creepy writings like that would be wuthering heights which is my least favorite book i have okay, ever you read you need to try ann radcliffe because it's creepy <laughs> but happy okay you will like i will try creepy with happy because wuthering heights opens with a ghost and closes with a ghost like that is like a non-starter for me which is why i'm so surprised at how much i have absolutely loved the haunted lake by pj oh Lynch. yeah it is so good so it's a ghost story so if you're looking for something deliciously creepy this is the way to go and 
It is so beautifully illustrated. We will put illustration samples in the show notes. And it's a love story. And I love love stories. And it's a multi-generational love story. And then it just becomes this terrifying, look at that, this terrifying ghost story of the underworld of the lake and people fighting for their true love and being willing to make sacrifices to bring back the people they love and be with the people they love. And it's like everything gothic, classic horror (laughs) in a picture book. So if you have like sensitive kids, probably not great for them. And the the characters are all like high school age and older, like teens, teens and older. So I think that this would really be a great picture book if you're trying to get your teen to see that picture books are not just for babies. Mm-hmm. This would be an excellent starter book for them. But the illustrations just get me every time. They're just so incredible. Yeah, you introduced me that book to me a while ago and I loved it, but I didn't even think about it. That's for for an fall, autumn book. Yeah. Well, yeah, cuz a lot of people are always looking for Halloween books. And yeah. I'm not really a huge fan of Halloween shocker everyone I know Halloween's not my holiday (laughs) and I really don't like having a bunch of like witch and ghost stories around that are just play acting Mm -hmm. you know like kids were dressing up and and that type of thing or I really don't like um, false accusations of being a witch like that really troubled me in Blackbird um, Pond, Blackbird Witch Pond, Blackbird Pond, which of Blackbird Pond when I was younger, and that's another yeah. really good book that has autumn scenes, and it would be the Witch of Blackbird Pond. But I just, I really feel for people who are falsely accused of yeah, being something really... that they aren't just because they're quiet or withdrawn. And we had that a lot in my neighborhood when I was a kid, where we had these elderly people who just you never really saw them come out of their house much and so the kids imaginations went crazy (laughs) making up stories as to what they were and what they their real intentions were and as I got older I just really regretted that especially as I got to know these elderly people and Mm -hmm. they you know welcomed me into their homes and they were really really nice just lonely people that I wished wish I'd reached out to when I was a little kid instead of went screaming away from their yard yeah. in terror. Like, that couldn't feel good for them. No, yeah. <laughs> like, see all the little kids acting this way. Mm-hmm. But, but so I feel like that's in a lot of the Halloween books where yeah, there's, you know, there's the creepy dark house on the corner. And a lot of times it turns out that the person's really nice, but I, I'm not a huge fan of just the, the build up to that. So I try to find books that if a kid does like creepy stuff, but maybe your family doesn't do Halloween or you want to read creepy stuff outside of Halloween books that would fit that bill. I really think that the haunted lake is an excellent option. Definitely. My options, I'm realizing most of my options are pretty farmy in nature because that's what, (laughs) that is, that's what Mm -hmm. fall is to me. Like bringing in the harvest. And all of that. So, like, my next book is Down Buttermilk Lane, which also, like Hurry, Hurry, Mary, Dear, is very lyrical. It's not mm-hmm. a poem, but it's very lyrical. You hear clip-clop, clip-clop, past fields of rustling corn stalks, past black and white cows mooing at the morning, past farmhouse windows. It's very 
it just has that lyrical quality. And so my five-year-old loves it. You but, know what I've observed? I have observed what? that nature books are most often lyrical in nature. And I well, think that it's about the beauty that plays. I think it's the beauty and the fact that it's the rhythm of the world around us. It's the rhythm of the changing seasons. And then they reflect that in the rhythm of the storytelling. Absolutely. I think that's why I love gardening so much mm-hmm. is that I just I feel the rhythm and I feel connected to creation. Yeah. And the changing seasons that way. And it helps me adjust to going into winter. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, sometimes a hard adjustment to the lower light and the yeah. being more confined. But this one is just about an Amish family and their normal life. And they, um, just their normal life, going to the store, going to visit their grandparents, uh, and just how they live. And it happens to take place in fall with all the harvesting stuff. But but it could you could use it any time of year. Yeah, I like that. There's a small series that I've discovered at my library that I have not read all of them yet. So this isn't a blanket recommendation, but the few that I've read, I really enjoy. They are these little sisters, Maple and Willow. So that's the series. It's called Maple and Willow. And there's actually, you know what? I just made this connection. There's a book called Maple. And I really like this book. And it's about a little girl whose parents like planted a tree, a maple tree when she was born. And it grows. You know this book. Yeah. Yeah, I know that one. And then when her baby sister is born, it's Willow. And they plant a a tree for Willow. Oh, so is this another same author? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they continue the series beyond that picture book. I just made that connection. I'm like 99% sure that Maple was a Dolly Parton's imagination and Arium, whatever that program is called, where she sends, what is that called? Um, Dolly Parton's Imagination Train. Oh yes, yeah. something like that. So I think Maple was one of those trees. But I don't so there's think we this. We got that as part of that, but I, I picked it up at Goodwill, early. and I think I saw the the stamp on it at the time. But that doesn't really matter. I don't even know why I included that. It was just random trivia for my brain <laughs> <laughs> that may not even be accurate. So whatever. Well. But I did discover the book around the time I was reading other books by Dolly Part- that Dolly Parton picked. So that book, Maple, is an adorable book for adding a new member to your family, mm-hmm. which I love. And then it's turned into this Maple and Willow series. And so they're these little sisters with a couple of years between them. And there's a book, um, Maple and Willow Together. And I'm trying to think of the other one that I read. I think there's, oh, Maple and Willow's Christmas. I read today and that was super cute. And I'll talk about that one when we do our Christmas books in a few weeks. But this one is called Maple and Willow Apart. And I really like it because Maple goes to school. And so it's looking at Willow's life as it's completely changed. So it opens, you know, and school starts in the fall. So it's a really good fall book. So it opens with Maple and Willow just having a good old time all the time together, inseparable. And then... Willow Lee or Maple Leaves starting big girl school. Willow was a big girl too, but Willow had to stay home and home wasn't the same. Yes. Wasn't the same without Willow. And I love this of her just like laying upside down on the steps, just, just waiting. But this is the beginning of Willow's story. So there's this little acorn on the ground next to her. So she befriends a squirrel and the acorns 
while Maple is gone. So Maple goes to school and she gets back. And I love how there's these little sections of text about the story. And then there's this like nonstop train of thought from Maple when she gets home from school. And so her train of thought is along the lines of my teacher is so nice. And I sat by a girl with curly red hair who has freckles and she's a twin and we played at recess and it's going to be her birthday and she's going to have a party in our class, dot, dot, dot. So she comes home and she's just nonstop talking about school, which, you know, makes Willow sad that she doesn't have any of these stories to share. And then Willow says she played with Pip, who's Pip. Pip is my new friend. He has a bumpy head and he's afraid of squirrels. (laughs) So, oh, no, no, no. I got that wrong. So Pip is... Um, Willow's new friend and Pip is afraid of squirrels because Maple has been talking about her new friends. And mm-hmm. so Pip is her acorn, but she does not let on. <laughs> Pip is her acorn. <laughs> Pip is scared of squirrels. So she, you know, tells her little story. Well, we met by the oak tree. And then on Tuesday, Willow explored while Maple was at school and she's doing all these activities outside. So I love how she's still outside living her life, but It's just really good how it shows that loneliness that the younger sibling left behind can feel and so relatable. And then that excitement that the older sibling has and how the younger sibling's just trying to make a life for themselves. And then it's just, it's really sweet how it ends because Willow and Maple both just express how much they miss each other to each other and Mm -hmm. it's no longer a competition of like who's having the best time while they're apart from each other and so she she tells (laughs) she tells maple pip wants to go to school with you today really maple said yes he's in your pocket already (laughs) and so then (laughs) cool maple introduces her friends to willow's friend pip and it ends and i love how it's like these redheaded twins a boy girl redheaded twins those were the twins that she was going on and on about so if you have a redheaded kid that's just fun to see but i feel like there's fewer books about fraternal twins like boy yeah yeah there is nice to see and the last page says from then on whenever maple went to school she brought pip with her and that was okay with Willow because Pip had a big family. So Willow still has her pile of acorns to play with. Wow. <laughs> nice. But I just thought it was such a sweet sister that is book. So sweet. And it really is is a good show of that that separation when one sibling goes away. And if you're a homeschool family, it might not even be going to school. It might be your kid is going to music lesson or has a dance class. And the younger siblings still get really lonely with that my youngest gets lonely when my oldest goes upstairs to her room to do her schoolwork and she can't play with her yeah exactly (laughs) Lily is really struggling now that Inara and Gemma are spending more time on school she's just Mm -hmm. like like what am I supposed to do with my life like that's where (laughs) Leora is at without her her big sister always having a playmate and then yep yeah have another yep. harvest book for us, Amanda? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have, this is an oldie but a goodie, if you can find it. Mousekin's Golden House. Mm-hmm. Have you read that? I have read that a very long time ago. So Edna Miller wrote all of these uh, nature books. She's really famous for her Mousekin books, but she yes. has written quite a few. They're hard uh, to find, a lot of them. them. They can be. I mean, this one was reprinted several times, but they, they're they just beautiful. The illustrations are just gorgeous. 
And there's a lot of little tidbits about nature sprinkled throughout them, which is kind of nice. It's realistic. The mouse is Mm -hmm. being threatened by animals that want to eat it. But uh, the mouse finds a pumpkin, a jack-o'-lantern, that's been discarded after Halloween. And he uses it for safety. And it becomes his house. And it's just beautiful. And... I just love her illustrations because they're so full of movement and life mm-hmm. and and there's a there's a nice happy end where he gets to hibernate in his little pumpkin for winter. Aww. So it's <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well speaking of pumpkins, my favorite pumpkin related book is Mr. Hermit Miser and the Neighborly Pumpkins. And this is currently a unicorn. It is available to be read online on Internet Archive, which we'll link to. But there is a publisher that is considering bringing it back into print. And I definitely hope that that happens. So Mr. Hermit Miser, it is. (laughs) Okay. So Mr. Hermit Miser is the miserly hermit that lives on the street. And he is lazy, criminally lazy. To the effect that he does not care for his animal either. I believe Mm -hmm. he has a cat. It's a cat or a dog. I haven't read it yet this year, but he has not been feeding his pet. And he doesn't care for his home and he doesn't care for his yard. And the neighbors are always trying to encourage him to do something to care for his property. And he just doesn't. And then, like my front yard, a volunteer squash vine comes up. And he is excited because he's going to get something for nothing. He didn't plant the squash, but now he's going to get pumpkins. And the thing he cares about the most in life is pumpkin pie. And so this vine is growing like crazy everywhere. It grows under the neighbor's fences. It grows into the front yard, into the front street, all over the place. Mm-hmm. And pumpkins grow at the end of the tendrils. And so... Yep. There's all these pumpkins growing in his neighbor's yards now. And so he steals some of the pumpkins because he is adamant that they belong to him because it's his pumpkin vine. And he takes all these pumpkins into his house and he tries so hard to figure out how to make a pumpkin pie. He tries all these different things and it's just getting worse and worse. And eventually he's surrounded by just the destruction of probably at least 40 pounds of pumpkin <laughs> or 100 pounds or something and, and no pie to show for it. And then he smells this wonderful pie wafting across the fence from his neighbor's house. And he goes out and the neighbor ladies, I just love them to pieces because they basically tell him, get your life in order and we'll give you pie. <laughs> So he, we will bribe you. He does. And they come alongside him and they help him. And so he starts taking care of his cat and he is painting his shutters and painting his fence and fixing the broken shutters. And now his house is matching all the other houses on the street the way that it should and in quality of care. And so then he gets his pie and <laughs> they basically are just like, it's that whole bringing someone back into community, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody who has left community and is just, in his case, by choice, he's just cranky and miserly and no one wants to be around a person like that. So you just get lonelier and lonelier. And 
now he's back in community and he is a well accepted <laughs> member of their community. And so I I just really enjoy that book for a nice fall book that That is nice. That's, you know, about a harvest that you mm-hmm. you didn't plant. So yep. that, one's, yep. that one's enjoyable. So I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking about your problem with Lily and uh, not having any friends to play with. And it was reminding me of my last book, which is Christopher's Garden, because it features an only child. Oh, yes. So have you read much Elsa Beskow? I have not. I know I... so many people love her work, and it's just never come across my – like, it hasn't come into my hands. So, so she wrote – to support her family. So she like mm. she wrote one book a year. And so some of them are occasionally I find one that I'm like, ah, yeah, I think she wrote this because For she the needed paycheck. the money. Yeah. Yes. To, um, just to clarify, she was the author and illustrator, correct? Yes. Of her books. She's the yeah. author and illustrator. But most of her books are really great. They and they're, are they're all nature based, aren't they? No, not necessarily. No? Um, all the ones I've seen, I guess. No, not necessarily. I mean, they a lot of them happen outdoors, but mm-hmm. some some of them are not very naturey. But Christopher's Garden is very naturey, and in this one, we have a little boy who's playing alone by himself because he's an only child in his garden, and September comes and plays with him, Aww. and they go around to each of the fruit trees in the garden plots, and they they meet the plants that live there. Mm-hmm. Like we've got uh black current. Here's Mr. Black current. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's British, right? I think you have to say. Courant. No, she's Scandinavian. <laughs> oh, is she? Okay. European. She, I think you have to say currants. Currants. And then, so we've got, there's the red currants. Oh, cute. We've got Mrs. Apple and in the tree. So, mm-hmm. He's imagining playing with all of these people in the garden and they're talking to him about how their plants need to be harvested. Yeah. And at the end, you know, September disappears and uh, he's sad, but, you know, there's this feeling that this is his imaginary friend and he'll always be there. Mm-hmm. You know, he only has to talk to them and then they'll be there. So maybe Lily needs to... <laughs> Have, have an, an imaginary, imaginary friend. <laughs> I don't know. Imaginary friends have not done well in our home. Why? When Inara was little, before she had a sister of playable age, she had an imaginary friend that she named Miss Navy. And that was all well and good. Inara and Miss Navy would play and they would have very constructive time. But Miss Navy really became a thorn in my slide when she started getting credit for all the good that I was doing. So Inara would take a nap and then she would get up and I would have done like stupid level of cleaning work right like vacuuming out the window sills like in between the window screen and the sill and washing it all down because we lived in a house that i had thought had lead paint (laughs) i didn't want like the little paint chips around so i'd vacuum those all out because anara would always stand there and look out the window for eric to come Mm -hmm. home from work so i did all this and anara comes and she's standing at the window and you know not to toot my own horn but to toot my own horn i would be like anara I vacuumed this out and wiped it all down from your finger smudges. Doesn't it look nice? And I'd be like, mm, Miss Navy did that. I'm like, uh, no, child. 
I did that. And she's like, mm, I don't think so. I think Miss Navy did it while I was sleeping. And that was about the time that I'd had just about enough of Miss Navy. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Addie had – Chorus never had an imaginary friend, and now I'm thinking she could use one too since, yeah. since she gets a little lonely when Addie's off doing school. Uh, but Addie had imaginary pets. Oh, that would be so nice. They, they came everywhere with us. She had a parrot for a while and a dog <laughs> and a cat. And the parrot was the longest-lived imaginary pet we had. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I like that. We had real pets, too. Right. But right. apparently, <laughs> Not enough. that wasn't enough. They didn't come with us everywhere, so we needed yes. imaginary pets, too. Oh, that's funny. So with um, talking about fall, something that now happens every year is 9-11 Remembrance. Oh, And yes. so that is something that we we've built a really good list on our free database and that will be available if you go to the Reshelving Alexandria database and you look under RA lists. Um, it'll be the 9-11 list. But I just thought I would mention a few of the books that are on that list for you here. So this one's called Survivor Tree. And it's about the the tree that was at the base of the towers and survived. Like somehow when they were clearing the rubble, they realized this tree wasn't dead. And so they dug it up. And it's the story of the tree being dug up and taken to a nursery and being able to um so here's the picture of them realizing that there's still new green growth on this mm -hmm. tree and something that struck me about this that didn't strike me when i read the book for the first time because i hadn't experienced it is how low down on the tree the green growth is and our town has had a derecho and all the trees were stripped of branches and a lot of them were capped of their crowns and some of them were cut all the way down to the stump they will regrow from wherever <laughs> they were. So the kids and I talk about how all the trees put clothes on in our community because like their entire trunks from top mm -hmm. to bottom are covered in new leafy growth. And I'll include a picture of that in the show notes too, just because it's so fascinating to see. Mm -hmm. But but now I realize that's what's happening in this tree that they found at the bottom of the um, Twin Towers was even though it was a fairly large tree before it it now was not and it was just growing green wherever it could because that's what trees do they survive and so they um, they dug it up and took it to a, a nursery where it was for about a decade re-establishing itself and growing healthily and then they brought it home in winter because that's when you replant trees and here you can see them dropping it by crane into the hole and then people can come and see this tree and the worn parts of the tree where the old bark of the past is joined to the bark of the present and they call it the survivor tree but what I like about this one is there's a few books about survivor trees but they're all illustration so this one is beautifully illustrated and it's tall like a tree, but then it has a picture, which obviously you could Google that if you wanted to, but I just like that it is included in the author notes, a picture of the actual tree taken in 2018 when it's um, in bloom. So that's really cool. So this is by Marcy, Colleen, and Aaron Becker. And then the other book that I just love about that time is Fireboat, The Heroic Adventures of the John J. Harvey. And that I was a book. That one. You haven't? 
Mm-mm. You would really like it. So it and there's one other one that's similar, Saved by the Boats, the Heroic Sea Evacuation of September 11th. Oh. So the, the difference between those is one of them focuses on the sea evacuation, which is really good. And there's a short documentary that is appropriate for all ages that are aware that September 11th happened. It's not graphic and it's narrated by Tom Hanks and it just covers this. Like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It covers the sea evacuation that happened to get everybody to safety that was Mm -hmm. stuck because all the trains were shut down and all of that. And it's the largest um, boat evacuation that has happened in it it's either the largest one ever or the second largest one but the largest one in a certain period of time and that's a really good book but then the first one that i mentioned the fireboat heroic adventures of the john j harvey so in new york they used to have a lot of fireboats kind of like we have fire trucks where they would just you know go around and pump pump water and so this one had been retired and basically it was decrepit when this group of people decided to rescue it and so they had rescued this boat and they brought it back into functionality right before 9-11 but they just did like tours like they just showed people how it worked and they never thought it would actually be used as a fire boat again or needed and then I'm (laughs) not going to cry then 9-11 happens and the boat gets called up and it's able to continue being useful. And I just love those stories mm-hmm. of people and items that have just been thrown to the side and told you're no longer worth anything. And then people that see and believe in that thing and say this can still serve a purpose, even if it's just to talk about history. But then it serves so much more purpose by being able to like help put out fires that you know needed to be put out after that. So... I really love those water rescue and water service books from 9-11. Those are the ones that clearly get me every time. (laughs) I'm going to have to pick those up. I haven't read them. I know that our local library has at least one, Amanda. So there's that. And while I'm crying anyway, let's talk about my last book that I have here. which is called A Map into the World. I just found this one today. Eric and I went on a library date. I invited him to go with me. This is how I framed it. I said, I'm going to the library. I'm going to be there for about half an hour. If you would like to come and be with me, I would enjoy that. And then after that, we can go get coffee. What I forgot to say is for the 30 minutes that I'm there, I don't want you to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that doesn't sound like a very good date. Please don't talk to me. No, the coffee part was supposed to be the date. (laughs) I was going to the library to work. I needed to find some things. And I wanted to like check out some of these books to show you guys the covers of. But he ended up like talking to me nonstop about the RA database and different things that we want to add to it. Well, he was doing work too. Which is great. Yeah, exactly. So he was doing work and I am not begrudging him of it, but... I definitely did not get done in that 30 minutes <laughs> what I had hoped to because it was not just like focus. I'm thinking, you know, you go to the library and you know you don't talk. Nobody talks at libraries. Go shh. <laughs> Be quiet. Get You're one of those people. I Well, I, I just don't want people talking to me. <laughs> you can talk to yourself. <laughs> I don't want people on the phone. 
because people on the phone do not understand loud. voice modulation exactly. They're so loud. And if your phone is turned up so loud that I can hear both sides of the conversation, it's too loud for the library. But I don't mind if like little kids are running around squealing in the... I just want them to be happy to be at the library. Okay, but I found this book on complete accident. I'm in love. So I'm going to include it in the autumn series today because it covers all the seasons, but it kind of opens in autumn. And one of the things that we see a lot of is, or one of the questions we hear a lot is people looking and, you know, it's one of those things where it doesn't even occur to you if it's not in your range of experience, right? Mm-hmm. I've always lived in the North. I've always had four seasons. But we get a lot of requests from people wanting to know if there are fall books for the South <laughs> because the fall there doesn't really exist. You know, you go from like summer to winterish and then back to summer again. Um, but we do have some fall books for that season. For, the, for that region mm-hmm. on our fall list, which we will have a link to our complete recommended list of fall books. We've only touched on a few of them today, but we'll have a link to our complete list in the show notes as well. But I like this one because it has plants that you don't often see in the fall. So this, it's a Hmong girl seeking beauty and connection in a busy world. And it's lushly illustrated. And so I am not positive where this book is set. I think that it is set, let's just say <laughs> it's set somewhere where ginkgo grows. So this illustration would make it look like it's not set in America. No, but that's just the that's just the boards. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it is just like standard houses, so it's definitely not like Asian setting for houses. But they have ginkgo trees, so clearly an Asian family. Oh yes, here we go. So they are in America because they're hanging a special story cloth oh, about how I had the no idea. Ginkgo how the Hamong got to America. on the empty wall and then there's this elderly couple that live across the street and they have their special seat where they just sit and watch the world happen bob and ruth and up close (laughs) the little girl could see that they were even older than her grandmother who lives with them and so the book opens at the end of summer and the mother is incredibly pregnant like anyone who's been pregnant can definitely relate to that picture i think this is one of the the most authentic yeah. uncomfortable pregnant woman illustrations so another twin book so this one the twin babies are born and you can see the ginkgo tree behind bob and ruth here and it says that um, sometimes the babies just cried a lot but i loved this autumn picture look at this of the ginkgo oh, turning hey okay. nice yes it's so beautiful And it um, says that the leaves of the two ginkgo trees by Bob and Ruth's house turned yellow like apricots. So in this story, you see a little girl who is constantly being told that the babies aren't old enough, right? She wants to bring them a ginkgo leaf. No, they're not old enough for that. She wants to do this with them. They're not old enough. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to wave at whoever she sees 
in the window across the way, but they can't see her that far away. So no one ever waves back. But then on a cold morning, cars came to our block, filling the street. Car doors slammed as men and women in thick jackets walked quickly to Bob and Ruth's house. My father said, Ruth has died and her family is coming to say goodbye. I felt sad for Ruth. My brothers just played with the toys above them. So it talks about like the different layers of awareness in life that people have, which I really like. And so she's trying to, as the cars keep coming, she's trying to lift her brother up, but she's being told she's not big enough to lift him up. And then you see, there's a reference to the, am I saying this right? Hamong? I think so, but I don't know. Well, I'm trying my best, everyone. So after the Hamong New Year, you see this winter scene. And so then you have your other seasons, right? So now it's spring. She finds an earthworm. She wants to bring it inside for the brothers to watch Wiggle. And her mom's like, yeah, I don't think so. And they're smelling lilac. So you see all the ways that she's involved in life and community with her parents, her brothers, and her grandmother. And then after a while, they see Bob dragging the special bench out of his garage onto the driveway all alone. And she whispers to her mother and then grabs her bucket of chalk and goes over with her whole family to Bob's driveway. And the mom asks if she can draw a picture for him on the sidewalk because her reasoning is if he hates it, the rain will wash it away. Mm-hmm. And so my mother and Bob talked in low voices. I could hear Bob say, Ruth, she was with me for 60 years. I started my picture with a teardrop. And then I made it splatter like sunshine. I drew lines leading away from the splattered sun in many directions. I drew a line that led to the garden. There I put a yellow ginkgo leaf. I drew a line that led to the grass. There I made the sparkling snow. She draws the earthworm. She draws snow. She draws an arrow to her house and added lilac flowers. And then I drew a line, the biggest line of all, toward the street. And there I drew the whole world. When I was done, I walked quietly to my mother and to Bob. They stopped talking and Bob shook my hand. What did you draw for me? He asked. I said in a whisper, a map into the world, just in case you need it. Aww. How beautiful is that? And then Bob is like holding her and hugging her. And he says, I think I might. And it's just like, that's just gorgeous. That is. <laughs> and also like the whole concept of bringing people back into community mm-hmm. who have been removed. Like his connection to the world was Ruth. And now he has just been by himself through this season of grieving. And this little neighbor girl is holding his hand and inviting him back into the world and, you know, giving him steps to do it. And it's just because she put herself out there. Like, I love that about little kids, how they are not scared to connect, how they are willing to possibly be told no, possibly, you know, like he could have said, no, you can't draw my sidewalk, but she would have tried. Right. And yeah. And just doing something. And I think Mm -hmm. adults often fall into the pattern of saying, if you need something, let me know. Yeah. I can tell you right now, they need something and they're not going to be able to verbalize it or tell you. They may not know what they need. Yeah. But like just being there to hold their hand and guide them back into life is so valuable. And welcoming them back into community and telling them you belong here. Like you are a part of this community and you are welcome. 
So yeah, I just community is so important. I thought that was so beautiful. And I had never seen an autumn scene with ginkgo leaves in it. So yeah. I, felt, I felt like I could include it in the autumn list. That's yeah, that's oh, new for me. But, wow. Yeah, but if we ever do a or when we do our four seasons books, books that cover all four seasons, this would definitely mm-hmm. be a perfect fit for that if people are studying all four seasons as well. And I also like the fact that it opens with life with the twins coming and then it ends with or like you know in the middle Ruth passes away and then we see the fact that life still goes on so it's just this this loop I love that it has a multi-generational family too and yes yeah that could use some normalization yeah and I loved the fact that they have that wall hanging that explains their history on the wall so it's a really good immigrant story yeah. As well in that way. I'm going to close with a quote from Persuasion, which I know is your favorite, Jane Austen. Yes. And it's talking about Autumn and it says, Her pleasure in the walk must arise from the exercise and the day, from the view of the last smiles of the year upon the tawny leaves and withered hedges and from repeating to herself some few of the thousand poetical descriptions extant of autumn, that season of peculiar and inexhaustible influence on the mind of taste and tenderness, that season which has drawn from every poet worthy of being read some attempt at description or some lines of feeling. Nice. And I think that's beautiful. It is beautiful. Just so like fall. It really is. <laughs> But I would love to add more chapter books to my home library that have Autumn as a predominant aspect of the story. So, dear listeners, if you know of any really good Autumn chapter books for kids or adults and even picture books, I am definitely never against another good Autumn picture book. Please share with us in the comments on our website those books that you would recommend so that we can read them and hopefully add them to our home or add them to our mental catalog of books that we have experienced. We would love to have you share with us in that way. But again, these lists and well, these recommendations from today will be in the show notes, but they will also be on the database at reshelvingalexandria.com. And it's free and you can look through all of our different lists that we have and we're adding more all the time. And we are so grateful to have this opportunity to spend time with you. And remember that the stories are truer than true and drink some water.